Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> well, hello. How's it going? I don't have anything quite that fancy prepared. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing these things. <laughs> you caught me off guard. You know, I just try to be original. I know. You do such a good job. Thank you. Yeah, you. Hey, welcome hey. to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Yeah, where we bake and, and talk about murder. Yes, we do. Oh my gosh. And I'm I'm pushing, I think I'm pushing the spring summer vibe today. Oh good. Yeah. What I'm, you got going on in the kitchen? Well, I'm making some lemon lavender sable butter cookies. Ooh, ooh la la. <laughs> this is very, very French. It's very, very French. And um it's very kind of to me springy, summery. I don't yes, know. Maybe because we're eating on. like flowers and lemons. I don't know. I'm excited. So I will tell you that because we've had some delays in recording this week and last. <laughs> That I went ahead yesterday and prepared my dough. It seems to be the way our 2022 is going. So far, my gosh. But then again, we decided there's probably nobody listening at this point. So we're just going to wing it anyway. We're just not sure. Hey, if y'all are listening, can you just let us know? Just send us a sign or something. Something, Because we have a feeling that nobody's listening anymore. We're getting the feeling that uh, y'all got tired of us and left, which is completely fine. We're used to this in our lives. It's fine. We're fine. Everything is great. (laughs) But if you're hanging in there with us, just give us a holler or something because I don't even know what's happening in our lives. But let me talk about my dough. All right. It smells very buttery. It is very buttery. It's it's a sable is like a French butter cookie. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So it's like a shortbread, but less crumbly. Because it has a hell of a lot of butter in it. I love a lot of butter. Yeah. So I creamed my butter and sugar, added an egg, and added some honey, a quarter cup of honey. Wow. So it was only a half a cup of sugar and then a quarter cup of honey. And Did you use Farmer Katie's honey? Well, duh. Duh. That's the only honey. Oh, God. It's going to be delish. And I used, of course, our Kella Vanilla. So FYI, this will be a recipe fail in your kitchen if you're not using Kella Vanilla. So true. So I creamed all that together and then I added it stirred in the um, some lemon rind mm-hmm. or lemon zest, I guess is what you really call it. Lemon rind sounds a little like trash. Mm, it's, it's good. And then it calls for two teaspoons of lavender buds. I did one and a half because I don't like to over lavender anything. No, I'm, we don't want to taste like we're eating cookie soap. soap. No. And I like the smell of the lavender more than the taste of the lavender. Right. So I'm just trying to make it fragrant. So I, I paired that back. And then in the end, it says to sprinkle some lavender buds over top. I shan't do that. Oh. I shan't. Oh. So anyway, I creamed all that together. And then you take it and you take half the dough, you put it on wax paper, and you fill it. Or you you don't fill it. You make a log. Right, right. Then you roll it, which I am uh, a little bit log deficient. Can't really get the log shape, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it looks like... It looks like we cut a tree, but it's fine. Well, my house smells very fragrant. I can smell the lavender. And then when they come out, you just cool them for five minutes, put them on a rack. And then you take 
a cup of confectioner sugar and two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice mm. and whisk it together until it makes a glaze and you drizzle the glaze over them. And then it says, put some more buds on there. I ain't doing no buds mm. on top. I don't like no, to get the buds up no in buds. my teeth. No buds. No buds in my teeth. I don't like that. Lavender bud in your teeth is no. not okay. It's just not the way to go through the day. Right. So anyway, that's what I'm working on over here. I've got my batch. My first batch has just come out. I'm making my glaze and then I'll be um, put my second batch in. You go, girl. Thanks. Make I appreciate that. I'm going to make it, it happen. happen. I am making it happen. While you're doing that. I think you should tell me a story. I'm going to talk about a murder. A murder story. A murder story. I will first tell you that this week when I started writing, mm -hmm. I got about halfway through my murder mm -hmm. and looked for another source. And when I found it, Something popped in there that reminded me of a story that you had told once before. And when yeah. I went and looked it up, you had, in fact, told it before. Yeah. So I had to scrap that one. It happens. Late yesterday we, and do a rewrite. It's the first time in over two years that that has happened. Very so true. I'm pretty damn impressed. Yeah. And luckily, you keep a running list of names. So I do. I do. I have a murder list in my phone. God help me if anybody ever goes and looks at it. And I'm so thankful for that list because it's gotten me out of a hot spot more than once. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. this is the murder of Barbara Howe, H-O-W-E. Barbara was a lifelong resident of Middleton, Ohio. She was a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother, and a homemaker. The Howe family was well known in Middleton as Barbara's husband operated Howe Motors, which was a car dealership in town. Sadly, he passed away in 1998. Barbara did have the support of her three daughters and her sister who lived in a town nearby. In 2007, Barbara decided the family home was a little too much for her to maintain. She, she made the decision to move to an assisted living community in nearby Monroe, Ohio. Monroe. Ohio. Ohio. And this was called the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village. Shut up. I know. Isn't that crazy? We live so Cray -cray. close to Mount Pleasant. Ah. This turned out to be a really good move for Barbara. She enjoyed all of the activities. You know, those those communities have nice oh, activities. They really presence. do. They keep people active and engaged and social. I love it. Yes. She went out on day trips and different outings with other members of the community. She was still able to drive, and the community was very centrally located, making it easy for her. For her to visit her sister, her friends, maybe go to the mall, get to the store, whatever she needed. Mm. And a really another, another, a really another. A really another. Because I sometimes make them up. Um, <laughs> no, no, not us. We should have our own sugar-coated murder dictionary. Oh, my gosh. So people can understand what the hell we mean half the time. That's right. I mean, we don't really know it either. We have to get other people to tell us what we mean. We'll but put that on our list of things to do. Sure, because we got nothing else to do because... Ain't nobody listening. That's right. So another really great feature of the assisted living community is that while Barbara had her own house and she could move, you know, freely, whatever she wanted to do, that house was equipped with a medical alert system. Okay. So the system required the homeowners to um, check in at, at night. Mm -hmm. to let the staff know that all was well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really great idea. I love that and idea. It, it's not like you had to pick up the phone and call them, though you could, or they would call you. If, yeah, if like if you forgot. Or if that's the way you wanted it. You could oh, tell okay. them how you wanted it. Otherwise, the system, you would just hit a button. Oh, like a check-in button. Like you're home for the night. Right. I or if that. you were going to be out of town, you would click the away button. I wouldn't mind and you then, having that. Oh, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know where I am at all times? Oh, I don't know where you are. No, I know when you're home. Oh, when I'm home. So if I need okay. you to do something for me, I know right. that you're available okay. for me. Okay. Well, let's get that. This is about me, so I'm not sure how uh, how you think it so affects you. it's not you. a safety feature for me so much as it's what you need. Okay. <laughs> now you're just being weird. Be very fond for us. <laughs> <laughs> so if for some reason, you know, a resident didn't check in, this, a member of the staff would come and check in and make sure everything was going well. And I really love that feature. I do. Me too. I like that the homeowner has independence, but there's still a check-in system, you know. And life was really good for Barbara at the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village. She enjoyed it. She thrived there, which was a really good thing. I mean, it's hard to leave your, your family home after so many years. Absolutely. But on October the 12th, 2012, Barbara's sister gave her a call. And she was very surprised when Barbara didn't answer. She waited a few hours and then she called again. Still no answer. She must have needed some sugar. She needed some sugar. She was worried that something had happened to Barbara. So she called the staff at the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village. Mm -hmm. And she asked them, you know, would you go check in on my sister? Because she's not answering my phone. And I need a cup of sugar. And I need some sugar. While you're in there, can you grab me a cup of sugar? Grab me the sugar. So a staff member goes over to Barbara's house and they use a pass key to enter. Nothing really looked out of the ordinary. Barbara's alert system was set to away. Her car was not in the garage. So they figured, you know, everything was good. Now, they did notice that the Monday morning newspaper was on the stoop and they took it inside and left it on the table. But that that was kind of a clue. She had not been there. Maybe she had a hot day and stayed out all night. Maybe she did an overnight somewhere. We don't know. The staff reported back to Barbara's sister, but by the 31st of October, when Barbara's daughters and sister had not heard from her, they knew something was wrong. Wow. So they decided they would call the police. A missing persons report was filed, and police went to investigate Barbara's house. Barbara's sister and daughters were there and agreed um, with what the village staff member had reported. Nothing looked out of the ordinary. They could see that the Sunday paper was next to her chair and that she... She had read the Sunday papers. That was the, you know, something must have happened between Sunday night and Monday morning. Okay. Um, by the 1st of November, they had a full-scale investigation underway. Yeah, uh, this is like. The surrounding area police departments were notified to be on the lookout for Barbara's car, which was a red 2005 Cadillac. So kind of hard to miss, right? That's a nice car. Mm-hmm. Later that same day, a red Cadillac was located at an apartment complex in Middleton. Okay. The car was locked. There was no sign of Barbara in the front or back seat. Um, Investigators could see that there was um, dust and trash on the Hmm. front and back seats of the car. And as they inspected around the car, they saw there was a tuft of hair hanging out of the trunk. Oh, that's not okay. That I don't like. No. I don't like where so this is headed. So they immediately rope off the area and call in the mobile crime unit. Oh. Crime unit investigators approach the trunk and they can smell cleaning products of some sort. They carefully pop the trunk and there they find the murdered body oh. of 87-year-old Barbara Howe. Bless her heart. Oh. Her body was nearly naked. No way. Her throat had been cut to near decapitation. The same trashy dust that had been found on the seats was scattered on Barbara's body. And it was clear that some kind of a cleaning solution had been poured on her. It's rude. The dust, they determined, was probably the dust and trash from a vacuum cleaner. Oh. 
Right. It, it probably had been used to hide d- DNA evidence. So that they, they like emptied the vacuum cleaner onto her. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, that's so it's mean. maniacal and calculated, but a little smart. It is smart in a way, but sugar, that's rude. Don't oh. put my vacuum cleaner dust on me. That's completely I gross. Know. That's really bad. Like that's not okay. But how are you going to find any kind of DNA, hair, whatever? It's my, all mixed that. in. Yeah. It's all mixed it's in. It's going to be rough, right? Yeah. They did find Barbara's purse in the trunk. After speaking to Barbara's family, it was determined that one of her credit cards was missing. I think she only had one from her wallet. And Bless her heart. She always wore a three-carat diamond ring, and that was missing from her finger. Investigators took swabs, combed through the car for evidence. They also began an in-depth investigation of Barbara's house. At this point, investigators made a very smart decision. Mm-hmm. They decided to conduct their investigation without releasing any evidence to the family or the public. I think that's wonderful. Nothing. They they kept everything on the down low. Good for them. And it was very difficult and frustrating of for course. the family, but it was a smart move to preserve the evidence that they collected because whenever you get a suspect, they're going to know something about the crime scene and you want to make sure. And there was so little that they could pull out because of all of the, the, the trash. You know, oh, and the cleaning products, it didn't sound like it was bleach. It, it sounded like it was like household cleaners, not whatever they could find. Whatever, probably. Yeah, just a bunch of stuff. When they investigated Barbara's house, they figured out that Barbara had been killed in a sub basement. So and it's really I'm, I'd like to see a picture because it's really hard for me to imagine. But she's got this one story house and in the floor of one of the rooms is Kind of like what you would see if you had an attic. It mm-hmm. looked like a picture frame mm-hmm. um, and a panel came out yeah. and then you could go down. And that's where this community, where all of the houses had their hot water heater, the yeah. furnace, all of the electrical, the alert system, like everything was in that one room okay. in the sub-basement. But um, you know, I've lost my dang place. Oh, I hate it when you do that. Oh, here we go. Because of the location, investigators started looking at maintenance workers. So the sub-basement is an area where they kept a hot water heater and other electrical things so that maintenance could get into a centrally located area. But because of the location and the access that the staff had to those locations in the homes, the investigators start looking at maintenance workers who had worked at the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village. They put together a list of current and past workers and started questioning them. And one of the workers they questioned was a man named Daniel French. He was a past employee. He quit working at the, at I keep calling it the Mount Pleasant, but it's just called Mount Pleasant (laughs) Retirement Village. About a year prior to Barbara's murder, he said that the residents were too demanding and that's why he quit, which, you know, I can imagine our older community can sometimes seem like they're very demanding. But Yeah, but you go into that line of work because you like the old people and their demands. Exactly. <laughs> so get over yourself, mister. But he told investigators he didn't really remember who Barbara was and he didn't know anything about what happened to her. He did allow the investigators to collect his DNA and that turned out to be a really big deal. Oh. Some of the DNA that investigators found in Barbara's sub-basement turned out to belong to Daniel French. Unfortunately, records showed that when he worked for Mount Pleasant, he did do work in that sub-basement. 
he repaired a leak or something oh, in there. So it makes sense why that it's perhaps there. his DNA could have been in that subbasement. Sure. Interestingly enough, which I also think was a really smart idea, they went in and pulled records of all of the subbasements that he had worked in mm-hmm. and swabbed for DNA. Oh. There was none of his D- DNA in any of the oh. other places that he worked, only in Barbara's subbasement. Well, now we have a situation. We have a situation. They were also able to get Daniel's cell phone number, and that turned out to be a big deal because his cell phone pinged in the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village the day Barbara was murdered. Uh-oh, even though he wasn't working there. Exactly. And he, he lives in Kentucky now, so he, he shouldn't even- He's way off. He shouldn't be in that area. Dude, you're way off. <laughs> Investigators did interviews with Barbara's neighbors trying to find anything that would help them figure out what the heck happened that night You know that Barbara was murdered. And one of the neighbors reported that on the night, which was, this is probably something she didn't think a whole lot about until, until police asked her the question. And she was like, oh yeah, I remember something weird happened that night. Oh, That night, a maintenance man had called her to say he needed to come in right away to fix a problem with her alert system. And she said, I'm, I'm in bed. Like you cannot come. Do you not, ain't coming in don't here. Don't you dare come over right now. You'll have to take care of it in the morning. I'm I got my fuzzy slippers night underneath night. my bed and my curlers and my hair. That's it. I've done. My, my I'm not taking, I'm not taking visits from the public at this time. <laughs> <laughs> and she was very frustrated with this man because she waited all day the next day for him to show up and he never showed up. Oh, wow. And she had put off lunch with her friends and other things that she was going to do. And Don't mess with my lunch with my friends. He really ruined her plans for that day. I don't so appreciate she's irritated. that. And when investigators called the staff at Mount Pleasant and they asked about, you know, was there a problem with the alert system that somebody would have had to go into these places? They said, no, there was no problem with the alert system that night. And there were no reports of any maintenance people going into homes after. After work hours. Oh, Daniel, (laughs) we're on to you. Then they go back and look over Daniel French's phone records, and they could see that he's the one who called the woman about the maintenance repair. It turns out that he also made another call. 30 minutes later, he made a call to Barbara's house. Needless to say, police arrested Daniel French and took him to the police station to question him. Again, he's given the French a bad name. The French are getting, oh yeah, we're doing French cookies. Yeah, we're doing French cookies. I had no idea your guy was French or named French. And now the French are getting a bad name. I can assure you by looking at his picture, he ain't French. He ain't not no parlez-vous français. He ain't parlez-vous no français. (laughs) Parley. (laughs) (laughs) He's more like party dude français. I don't even know. I don't even know. He's uh, quite interesting looking. Again, he's like, nope, wasn't me, didn't do it. Blah, blah, blah. Police continue to process and process. And it's like, so this happened in 2012. It it takes them two, three years. Uh, and they finally feel like they have enough. Yeah. Well, they want to be sure. And I, I really respect say, that. You know, because you yes. got one shot. And so they went ahead and arrested Just them. like Eminem says. Just like Eminem. Mm-hmm. You got one shot to don't. Don't mess it up. Mess it up. That's what he says. And eat your mom's spaghetti. <laughs> That's it. That's yep. right. I got it. I'm a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> this time, once they arrested him, Daniel French did, in fact, confess to investigators that he had killed Barbara. But he said it was an accident. It was not. It was not on purpose. It was an accident. Was an I accident. accidentally fooled her and told her I was still I with this mean to alert her. company and accidentally 
under false pretenses, came over to her house and accidentally she died. It was an accident. I didn't mean it. Okay. Well, now we don't care. (laughs) Daniel, stupid French. He said after he quit his job, he had been living off the kindness of his sister and he wanted some money. And he had seen some of the residents of the community with fancy rings on. Yeah, because they earned those rings. And he knew that some of them were widows. So he specifically targeted women who he remembered had fancy rings and were widows. Yeah, because I don't because I'm too weak to face a man. Yeah. Even though he's in his 90s, I'm still a chicken. Exactly. Jerk. So he calls Barbara and used the same story he had given the other neighbor about the alert system. Well, Barbara was very on top of things. She was a meticulous housekeeper. Everything was always in order. So if there, the thought that there could be something wrong with her alert system, she was like, yes, please. Come I will right not over. sleep tonight. Now, when there's something Absolutely. wrong, come fix my alert system yes. for heaven's sake. And she did. She, she fell for it. She let Daniel into her house and somehow he lured her into that sub basement. Probably said, hey, come look hey, at this. Hey, can you come look at this? Right. And while she was down there, he tried to use a stun gun to subdue her. And she fought back. Tough old bird. She, she said, I'm not going down without a fight, mf That's right. You're welcome, Mama. According to Daniel, he strangled her. He, and that's how she died. But according to the medical examiner, he didn't strangle her. He actually cut her throat. <gasps> well, there's a big difference there, dude. There is a big difference there. Yeah. Just... Evidently, there was some sort of plastic from the dry cleaner, like a dry cleaner bag mm-hmm. somewhere in that vicinity. Mm-hmm. And he used that to shield when he cut the knife. He, oh, he actually cut so through the plastic. The... Through the, so he caught all the spatters. There wasn't a lot of. Well, that's a little bit of premeditation. What do you think? Right, right, right. He then moved her body to her Cadillac, grabbed her purse, took her ring, cleaned up, drove her car to the apartment complex and left her there. He poured cleaner on her along with the contents of a vacuum cleaner bag. He then cut her hair and scattered pieces around her. What? Yeah. He stole $18 from her purse. Are you kidding me? And claims that he threw the credit card and the ring out the window as he left her apartment. Wait, the credit card and the ring? Yeah. He claimed he threw the ring out? Correct. That's the whole reason he was there. Correct. So we're supposed to believe that? That he left with just the $18. They've never been able to find the ring or the credit card. Well, I'm hoping it's up his ding dang. (laughs) I hope he had to keister it and it wouldn't come out. Exactly. Finally, in December of 2015, my gosh, Mm. the case went to trial. Daniel French had been charged with capital murder, aggravated burglary, aggravated robbery, gross abuse of a corpse, and tampering with evidence. He pled not guilty. The prosecutor had more than enough evidence to to convict him, and Daniel knew it. He knew it, but he still was like, not, not guilty. The court case lasted seven days. A jury that included five men and seven women took just under two hours to find Daniel French guilty of all charges. On November 16, 2015, the judge sentenced 56-year-old Daniel French to life without the possibility of parole on the murder charge. He was sentenced to an additional 14 and a half years for the other charges. He ain't getting out. 
Is he in Ohio? He is in Ohio. Good. Um, I didn't want him to get to go back to Connecticut. No, K- Kentucky. Or there. Yeah. <laughs> I swear you said he was in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Well, he lived in Connecticut. Um, Kentucky is what I meant to say if I said that. In fact, okay. Kentucky. Square him. Okay. So no Connecticut. No connect. There's no Connecticut in this story. There's no Connecticut. No, connect- no Connecticut. <laughs> um, I will tell you that the Mount Pleasant Retirement Village and the Monroe Police Department met with residents after Barbara's death and talked to them about safety and Aww. how not to fall victim to swindlers. Oh, they did swindlers and murderers and murderers. Right. They did some extensive nefarious people. Don't fall victim to the nefarious. No. Mm-mm. So that's it. That's the story. Of well, bless her heart bless and rest in peace, little Barbara. 87-year-old Barbara Howe. Yeah, she was, not, in the, she was in the season of her life. That's right. And enjoying all the things that she had earned in her life. Exactly. And this jackwad decided he wanted, he, for some reason, was supposed to have some of it. Murdered her and then... The what he did to her body just defiled it. It, it defiled, defiled it. it. And what it's, broke my heart is the thought that her children had to sit in court and listen to all of that. Yeah. There's just no why. Why are you gonna strip her naked and Because he's gross. He's just gross and he's given the French a bad name. Yeah. And I didn't even tell you You give French a, a bad, bad name. name. I didn't tell you exactly what he did to her body because I'm not doing that. I'm not going to take it down for Barbara. She needs to have her No, dignity, let's give Barbara was, some dignity, little sunshiny very, little very, woman. He was a very, very bad man. And he's I'm hoping that bad. he soon meets his maker. Well, I hope that he doesn't make his meet his maker, make his meter anytime <laughs> soon. But I do hope that his body on a daily basis is getting defiled in some of the ways he defiled little Barbara. Oh, I think they need to pump vacuum cleaner dust into his cell every, every day. day. And it needs to come from some really grody places. Yeah, like yeah. other jail cells. And then every once in a while, somebody should get be able to just walk up behind him and cut a lock of his hair and throw it at him. Exactly. And do some other things. Exactly. So he knew what he was doing. Gross. He knew what he was doing when he poured that stuff on her body. He knew he was trying he to. He knew what up. he was doing when he grabbed the dry cleaner bag. And you want me to think that that just came to you all of a sudden? You didn't no. plan it out. No, that's very hard. That's to not how it Daniel. works. Very, very hard. We're to not dumb, Daniel. You're dumb. Yeah, we're podcasters. That's right. We're true crime podcasters. Even though we're the only ones that listen to us, it's yeah. okay. It's a fine. It's we're not fine. bitter. It's fine. If we're only, it's we're just fine. doing this for the fun of it now. It's just right now. It's just we Nobody. have no purpose. We have no purpose left. But Where it's good. It's, go? We're okay. We're okay. <sighs> Maybe it's because we don't drink enough. I know, and people keep saying drink, but sugar. We're gonna have to go to the Betty if we keep drinking as I much know. as they want us to. I know. <laughs> And I don't know that they were going to give us like joint rooms and let us podcast from the Betty. Oh, well then we're not doing that. Yeah. So we've got to pair down the drinking every once in a while, y'all. Just cool it. Bear with us. We're trying. We're trying, but we just can't drink all the time. So what do you got going? What's happening? What's happening? So I baked up one of my logs. Oh, okay. Okay. Just to save some time. Okay. And I made my glaze Great. and I drizzled it. So I don't like a cookie that's soaking in glaze because it takes away from cookies. These are very delicate little cookies. <gasps> delicate. Yeah. So I just drizzled with a fork mm. until I felt like they had enough on them. Maybe we need to make ourselves a spot of tea. I'm telling you, this would be perfect with a spot of tea. There you go. And we are still tea ambassadors. Yeah, we are. We don't talk about it. A we lot, don't talk we about are. it. <laughs> 
we don't talk about we it, but we're tea it, but we are ambassadors. Tea yes, and we have gobs and gobs of tea. And that's Plum Deluxe if you want to. Plum check Deluxe it out. if anybody's listening. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. You got to click on our link. Yeah, whatever. Link You'll, tree, blah, blah, blah. Right. Nobody hears this, Shaka. It's just the two Woman, of us. Hello, is there anybody out there? It's just me and you and the trout. That's right. That's it. That's all we are. It's just people have walked away. All it's right. fine. Do we want to take a little break or do we, we just want to push through? What do we want to do? I think we should take a pause. We're going to take a pause and we'll return. Please hold. Gosh, my skin gets so dry in the winter. I feel like a sponge out of water. Girl, you need to check out Way. Way Melrose Place Body Cream quenches your thirsty skin and leaves it feeling satin smooth. It's fast absorbing, so it nourishes your skin when you need it most. That sounds amazing. What kind of ingredients are in Way? Way uses high quality, nourishing ingredients like squalene, coconut oil, and kapua butter. Wow, I can't wait to check it out. Experience the new Way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to T H E. O-U-A-I dot com and use code B-L-E-A-V to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order. T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com. Code Believe. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> we can't get rid of each other. No, look, we're just doing our thing. Yeah, I don't think anybody was really waiting to hear that we were coming back, but no, we decided just what the hell. It's just us, it's just us here. That's okay. I mean, even even Trout left. It like, <laughs> seems like y'all are so freaking boring. Yeah. I'm Dan. I'm Lou. And together we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics. Some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out, don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Good Pods. No, I know our mama listens, and so from now on, we're just doing it for mama. That's right. Mm-hmm. We love you, mama. We do love you, mama. Okay, so I have a murder. No way. I'm not kidding. Wow. It is uncanny. The wow. resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the not, no. The resemblance. The between... semblance. The similarity. Okay. That we uh, both have a murder. Oh, yeah. It's like we planned it. I don't know. I don't know. Can't be. I don't know. Can't be. Anyway, here's the crazy thing. Mine as well as in Ohio. Oh, wow. Ohio. Oh, y'all got to pull it together, guys. Come on. We we don't want to do a lot of y'all's murders because, well, we don't. it's not that we don't like you. It's just we would rather you not have so many murders. Please don't murder Ohio. (laughs) And in the shower this morning, I was thinking about... (laughs) Oh, These God. are my random thoughts. Okay, just stick with me. It's just me and you and Mama, so nobody else right, cares. Nobody cares. Right. So I was thinking Ohio, like singing that in my head over and over again. And then I was like, what if 
the way they came up with Ohio was that somebody the greeting in that in that area was always oh hello oh and then they shortened it to oh hi oh <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm on to something I think, I think I just sure. discovered history I think that <laughs> I, think I discovered history of Ohio that they didn't even they know they have no well, idea rewrite those books Ohio <laughs> oh hi oh Oh, hello. Oh, oh, it's way too long. Oh, hi. Oh, that's it. We got it. That's how we're going to name our state. Yes. It did. Wow, we did wow, it. Wow. We did it. No. Oh, no. This you. is all me. All you you don't want to take any credit? No, you deserve all the credit. <laughs> Gee whiz, it's so nice of you. <laughs> all the credit. All you of got it. it. All of it. Yes. Okay, I'm I'll so take it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> me too. <laughs> way to go. Way, way to, to go. go, random shower thoughts. I support thoughts. you. <laughs> support you random shower thoughts oh lord okay anywho we're in knox (laughs) county we're in mount vernon ohio okay 2010 i want you to close your eyes okay i'm not gonna touch you scared (laughs) i'm all the way over here mama i'm scared four days think about how long four days is okay four days that's 96 hours okay 5760 minutes okay okay Open your eyes. Thanks. Yeah. Wow, nothing changed. I was thinking maybe there'd be a treat or something. No treats. Okay. That's how long Sarah Maynard had to wait and endure and wonder. Wonder, how will anyone ever know where she is? Wonder where her mom and brother might be and if they're okay. Wonder if her dog was really dead or if she just imagined it. She wondered if anyone in her eighth grade class would ever wonder where she was and why she wasn't there. For 5,760 minutes. That's a long time. That is a really long time. She was 13 years old. That's incredibly long for a 13-year-old. Right. So Sarah's nightmare had started on November 10th, 2010. It started out like any other normal day for an eighth grade girl. She kissed her mom goodbye and walked to the bus stop. Then in the afternoon, she and her seven-year-old brother, Cody, walked home. Let me back up for Cody. Cody. Some say he was seven, some say 10, some 11. Somebody tell me the truth. (laughs) (laughs) How old was Cody? We don't know. It is a mystery in Ohio. Somebody tell me how old this boy was on November 10th, 2010. Wow. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Anyway, let's keep going. (laughs) So they walk home together from the school bus like they always do. When they walked into the house, something was off. They didn't even have time to process the scene before a strange man with a really big knife appears from within the house. Oh, God. It startled the kids and they run and Cody gets caught by the attacker. Sarah runs to her room and locks herself in. She doesn't have a phone. (gasps) And in no time at all, this strange man has kicked the door open to Sarah's room. No. Yep. No. He tells her, I'm not going to hurt you. As he uses cords to tie her hands and ankles to the bed, rendering her helpless. Oh, no. As Sarah lays there, she listens for signs of her family because the attacker ties her up and leaves. Oh. All she hears was the attacker moving around the house, running water in the bathroom and flushing the toilet several times. She realized one thing she could not hear was Tanner, the family's mini pincher. At that point, she figured the attacker must have killed him. And she's pretty sure he might have killed her brother. Yeah, I was going to say, where's Cody? So eventually the attacker shows back up in Sarah's room and he drags her out to his car and drives her to a home. And inside his house, it was just bizarre. 
Oh, gosh. As he took her into his basement, she noticed leaves. Leaves? Inside the house. Oh. Everywhere. Really? Yeah. Piles of leaves, bags of leaves inside the house. Oh. Some of the piles were taller than she was. No. Yep. Housekeeping. I know. And then she gets dragged down to this, what she thinks is a basement, and there's more leaves. But before she could even process her surroundings, she was tied to a pipe and gagged, and her attacker left her. And again, she's alone. Oh, gosh. She heard him drive away, and he was gone for a long time. And she wondered, does anybody even know where I am? Right. Unfortunately for Sarah, her attacker returned. He brought blankets down to the basement and made a bed on top of piles of leaves. He said his name was Matthew. And my he glasses was, have fallen off of my face. I am so distraught. It is distraughting. <laughs> no, it's disturbing. Distraughting. I like that one. I am, I am batting a thousand you today. Are, you're on it. I mean, I think it that means. It doesn't matter because it's just you, me, and mama. It's okay. Mama. <laughs> it's distraughting. We're bringing a new word We're in. We're bringing it back. I don't think it was ever here. Never mind. <laughs> it's okay. We're good. Everything is fine. So he said he's not going to hurt her, and they would let her go in time for Christmas. Oh. This is in November. Oh, no. She didn't believe him, even though she wanted to. He tied her so she could lay down and get comfortable, as he said, but he raped her. Oh. And he hurt her, and he wouldn't let her leave the basement. He actually took a white garbage bag and tore two holes into the top of it and made her wear it as a diaper. Oh. When she said she was hungry, he brought down a bowl of cereal, but the milk was sour and she couldn't eat it. Oh, no. And the only other options for her to eat in his house were some old red popsicles and some dead squirrels that he kept in his freezer. Oh, Jesus. So for over 5,760 minutes, Sarah endured. She did what he told her to. She thought about her family and she hoped someone would find her. But how? And then someone found her. A SWAT team stormed the house and took Matthew away and found her tied up, gagged, dirty and hungry, half naked in the basement. As they untied her, she asked if they could take her to school because she was late for class. Oh, bless her heart. She was clearly in shock and not in good shape. The SWAT members took her outside to a police car. An ambulance was called. And as they waited, a police officer asked Sarah if she knew where her mom, her brother and her mom's best friend were. She said, I'm not sure, but she was pretty sure her dog Tanner was dead. She was taken to the hospital where her dad and stepmother were waning. She told her story over and over, everything she could remember, over and over and over to her dad and the police. She was desperate to help find her mom and brother. Nobody knew where they were. Oh, gosh. They had all gone missing for four days, and nobody knew where they were until they found Sarah. So they're still searching. And eventually she's released to her dad and her stepmom and went home with them. And meanwhile, police continue searching the woods and the areas around the house where Sarah was found. There's also a search of Matthew's house as well as Tina, um, Tina's home. Tina was Sarah's mom, which is where they think the crime scene originated. So I'm going to tell you how events actually unfolded according to Matthew Hoffman. He's the attacker. Okay. Sometime during the night of November 9th, Hoffman set up camp across the street from Tina Herman's house. Tina is the mom mom. of Sarah and Cody. Gotcha. He sleeps in a tent under the stars. He says his his intent was to rob the home once it was empty, but he had brought with him a large knife and a backpack that had several other weird weapons in them. (laughs) 
weird. Just weird. Okay. I don't know. I, I find them to be weird. And that was just for intimidation, he said, in case he encountered a person. Right. So early morning, Hoffman watches Tina and the kids all leave the house and then he breaks in and he's hanging out and basking in his enjoyment of breaking in and existing where he isn't supposed to be because that's a thrill. Then all of a sudden, this lady, Tina, returns to the house and once he's inside, he sneaks up behind her and grabs her, threatens her with the knife, takes her into the bedroom, makes her lie down face down on the bed And then he decides I need to knock her out. So he had brought this bludgeoning tool. It's a thing. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. (laughs) And he hits her over the head repeatedly and it's hard and it doesn't knock her out. It dazes her, but it doesn't knock her out. And then all of a sudden another lady shows up and she's in the bedroom with him and she's screaming at him and he's in a panic and she turns around and runs. This is Tina's best friend and neighbor, Stephanie. Okay. At this point, Hoffman decides he's going to have to kill both of these women. Oh, no. So he jumps on Stephanie and he stabs her in the back two or three times and renders her on the floor helpless. And then he goes back into Tina, into the bedroom where Tina is, and she's laying on the bed and he just starts stabbing her in the back. So now he's killing these women. Wow. He says things just spiraled out of control. So he drags both bodies into the bathroom and then he kills the dog Tanner. Because Tanner wouldn't stop barking. Tanner's doing his job. That's right. Now, Hoffman is in the bathroom. I'm going to do air quotes, processing the bodies. We can all figure out what that means. Oh, no. And he's stuffing the body parts into garbage bags. Oh, golly. So he goes and moves his Jeep into the garage, and he starts loading the bags into his Jeep. As he's loading the bags into the Jeeps, he hears children enter the home. Oh, no. And then he decides, I got to take care of these children. And he surprises the children and they run in opposite directions. And he goes after Cody because Cody is the smaller one, right. he says. And then he grabs Cody up, stabs him a couple times <gasps> in the chest and stabs him in the back and kills him immediately. Drops the body and then runs to find the girl. He realizes that the girl has locked herself in her bedroom and he's like, she's probably calling 911. I'm going to have to do this fast. He knocks down the door. He realizes she has no phone and then looks at her and he says, I just couldn't kill her. He wanted her for himself. He keeps her tied there and he goes about his business of processing and loading body parts. Okay. Including Tanner and Cody's bodies. Gets them all in the car. He then takes Sarah to the Jeep, puts her in the back and makes her lay down amongst a bunch of garbage bags. No, no. He drives 10 miles to his house. He takes her into his basement, ties her up and leaves her. He then goes back and takes Tina's truck and abandons it in the parking lot of a local college campus. Okay. Along the way, he stopped and buys some gas cans because he's like, I'm going to have to burn the house. I need to burn my fingerprints. I need to burn all the blood evidence because there is a lot. So he buys those. He takes, he's not thinking clearly. So he takes it. It sounds like he's thinking very clearly. But he takes it. He drops, abandons the car. And now how is he going to get the gas cans home? Can't walk home. Can't walk back to their house with the gas can. So he has to walk. So he's like, okay, now I'm going to have to walk back, get my truck, come back and get, get my Jeep and get the gas cans. Okay. So he does. And he's sitting in the parking lot trying to figure out what the hell am I supposed to be doing? Like, what am I like? He's gathering his thoughts and a police officer walks up to the car and says, what are you doing here? And they recognize Tina's truck that they had had a bolo out on and he's parked kind of near the truck. So he walks over and says, why are you hanging out in this parking lot? And what do you know about that truck? Oh, dear. And he says, I don't know anything about that truck. 
Right. Um, I'm just waiting here for my girlfriend. And the cop said, well, who's your girlfriend? He was like, well, she goes here. We just started dating. The only, I don't know her last name, but her first name is Sarah. Oh gosh. And the cop lets him go. Mm. Oh no. Yeah. The cop lets him go. So he takes, he never was able to get the gas cans out of Tina's truck because the cop got him. So I think he was waiting for like people to stop walking through the campus so he right. could go get the gas cans and stick them in his Jeep. Right. And he never got that opportunity. So the gas cans are in her truck. Okay. okay. So, okay. So by now police are looking for Tina and Stephanie and the two kids because they, they don't know where they are because a coworker had, when Stephanie didn't show up for her job, a coworker went over and looked at Tina's house because her, because Stephanie's car was parked there. Okay. And so she was like, well, and she knew they were best friends. So she went over looking for like to see if Stephanie was over at Tina's and she was able to just, when she got there, the garage door was up, the garage door was and the garage door. The house was open. She thought that was odd. And then she was able to walk into the front door. And when she walked in there, it looked very disheveled. She saw, what she thought might be blood. Right. She, she two stepped backwards yeah. and got right the hell out of there and called police. So police show up and they're like, this is a crime scene. Where are the people? They have no clue. So that's why they were w- looking for Tina's truck. So that's why they had the bolo out. Okay. So, okay. I'm telling the story and I'm not reading my notes. So I just have to catch up to myself. That's all right. It's good. I like the way you're doing it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> And I'm sure mama likes it too. Mama, thanks. I appreciate it. Just stick with it. Don't fall asleep yet. Uh, Matthew Hoffman returns home and then he decides he's going to take the garbage bags of processed body parts to a nearby park. And he goes straight to a tree that he already was familiar with because he likes them trees. Yeah, and the leaves from the mm-hmm. trees. Interesting. And he knows that the tree is hollow. Oh. And so one by one, he drops those bags into the hollow hole of a tree. Oh, my gosh. The bodies of Tina Herman, age 32, her son, Cody, who's either 7, 10, or 11. Or 11. Sorry, Cody, rest in peace. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to you. I just don't know how old you were. Stephanie Sprang, age 41, and Tanner, the family dog. He returns to his home to start his tortured life with his prisoner, Sarah. I really don't like this guy. Oh, he's a freaking weirdo. Okay, so we're going to skip to November 14th. Sarah has been, Sarah and her family have been missing for four days, right? Right. Detectives had found the gas cans in Tina's truck. They figured out through the barcode where they had been purchased. Okay. They figured out they had been purchased that day at a local Lowe's store, they pulled the videotape and they see this dude right. buying the gas cans and they talked to employees of the store and they were like, yeah, this guy was weird. And he also bought a very large tarp that day. Like we remember exactly. And he was driving a Yaris. Like this guy. A Yaris. Yeah. He's, oh, he's no. like, it's just. He's weird. Like he's weird. And we, and we just noticed that he was weird. Then the cop that saw this guy in the Jeep, remember seeing him around the car and he was like, son of a bee. I think that's the same guy I saw loitering in that parking lot near Tina's car. They start doing some digging and they realize it's this dude named Matthew Hoffman. So Sunday morning, SWAT team surrounds Hoffman's home on Columbus road in Mount Vernon. 
Ohio. I can actually give you the, I've seen the home. I've got the address just so you know. Okay. I'm good though. (laughs) Yeah. They bust down the front door and throw in a flash grenade to cause, you know, chaos. Through the smoking chaos, they find Hoffman asleep on the couch. They grab him up, throw him on the floor and coffee. Hoffman simply looks at them and says, what's going on? Like, hey, good morning. Do you want coffee? (laughs) As police start looking around, the scene before them is strange and odd and nothing like they've ever, ever encountered before to search the house. So, but they have to search the house for these missing people. So they they don't have time to even process in their brains what they're looking at. As they, they find some steps that are hidden behind a, a, like a, almost like a crawl space door Uh thingy, uh like you were talking about. And there was like a little sewing cabinet in front of it. So they move it, they go down the steps to what is not really a basement. It's more of a crawl space. It's more of a sub basement, just so you know how weird. That is weird. It must be a thing in Ohio. Ohio, seal up all your sub basements. Bad things happen down there. Yes. So there sits Sarah Maynard, tied to a pipe, gagged, wearing a trash can as a diaper, and there's leaves. So many leaves. There's so many leaves. There are blankets under about six inches of leaves. Six inches of leaves. There's leaves everywhere. (laughs) What is happening? Leave it alone. (laughs) Sarah asks to be taken to school. She's obviously in shock and oblivious to her situation. And the police ask her. Like I said, if she knows where the other three people are, she says, no, my dog is dead. Take me to school. I'm late for class. That's her whole thing. Detectives upstairs. So there's some detectives downstairs. There's some upstairs. Right. And they are taking in such a sight. Oh, gosh. They notice more leaves in one room near the front of the house. This is where the bedroom should have been, but he was sleeping on the couch. There is a 14 foot by 14 foot tarp. That's big. That is big. Covered in about three feet. Three feet? Three and three foot piles of leaves. So there's several three foot high piles of leaves on this tarp. Like there's leaves everywhere. Oh my God. There are leaves everywhere. How did he even get them in his house? He's a, well, he was an out of work tree trimmer. I don't know. Maybe he was collecting all the leaves from the tree trimmer. But he was out of work probably because he was stealing all the leaves. (laughs) They're probably like this guy came to trim my trees. And when I looked out there, not one leaf left on my tree. Not one. And it's spring. Like, we should have some leaves here. I don't know. There are leaves of of all seasons. There are leaves of all trees, all seasons. It makes no sense. So they Did you also, happen to be able to see any crime scene photos? Oh, yes. So and I will be leaves? posting the leaves. Oh, my gosh. Not a lot of them, but there were some that are. It's just bizarre. Oh, my gosh. So they go into the living room, and it has three floor-to-ceiling rows of bagged leaves Hanging off the walls. <laughs> They've been attached to the walls, but oh they're the, the big lawn bags, like not just a trash bag. It's the big industrial clear lawn bag. Wow. Stuffed full of leaves and attached to the wall, floor to ceiling, three rows out, like floor to ceiling. And there's one, here's the wall. Here's the wall right here. There's one, there's two, there's three. They're coming into the room. What? It's bizarre. Then they go into a bathroom and the bathroom is completely covered in bags of leaves. It is completely insulated. The only thing you can see is the toilet sticking out from the bags of leaves. But he has completely insulated every wall with huge industrial size bags of leaves. They don't even know what to say. We, I don't either. And neither do psychologists. <laughs> They're like, what the flip? That's not what they said. It's not in the report. Oh. 
But I'm sure when they were having drinks that night, they were like, what in the world? What is wrong with this dude? Right. So um, the basement, like I said, was more like a crawl space. It had cinder block walls and exposed pipes and one light bulb hanging. So she was not in a basement. She was not comfortable. She was not. Right. So she couldn't stand up. No. Yeah. And she was gagged and she sat in a diaper of, of trash of bag that for four days. Anything. No, so it just, it's horrifying. Oh my God. Back at the police station, Hoffman, he ain't talking. (laughs) So November 16th, six days after the murders. So they have him. So they get him on the 14th and they, they are like interrogating him constantly. And when they get tired, they send him back to the jail cell and then they get him back out again. And they are just interrogating, interrogating. So at some point he gets escorted to a bathroom with an agent. And when he gets in there, he says, ask the agent, are we being recorded? And the agent said, no, which was true that he, unfortunately he was not recording him tinkling. And so he tinkles out leaves. I'm freaking out. out. No, 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 no leaves come out of his body. Don't worry. This is not Stephen King. This is actually (laughs) real life. So Hoffman said, okay, I am going to write the location of where the other people are. So they still don't know where these people are. Oh, right. That's right. So I'm going to write it on a piece of paper and give it to my attorney. And then I'm going to escape and police are going to shoot me dead. Oh, good plan. Good plan. Yeah, that's what he wants. And then once you know I'm dead, then you call the attorney and he will let you read the note. And he's telling the agent that. This is the agent. And the agent's Brilliant. like, Brilliant. I'm going to have to ask my superior if we've ever done this before. I'm not sure. So he calls himself a monster and he says, I can't live with myself for what I've done. And I don't want to live a life in prison where they are constantly injecting me with psychotic drugs. Okay. Okay. So the agent goes back and reports it. And then he writes up a report and the DA goes, I don't think so. Right. We're not doing that. No. That's not what we do, Leaf Man. No. <laughs> so the family eventually agrees to a deal of some sort, okay, because they need to they find need out closer, where their sure, people where are. It, they don't know. They right. have no clue. So they they take the death penalty off the table, and they go back to Hoffman and said, okay, we don't like your deal, but here's a different deal. We won't press for the death penalty, but if you can lead us to the bodies. And he goes, no, I was just making up that stuff. I don't really know where they are. <gasps> a, a, <clears throat> he's an A dollar sign, dollar sign, H zero L E. That's what he is. So two days later, two more days go by. And finally, for some reason, he woke up that morning and said, okay, I'll take your stupid deal. So he told detectives to go to, and I'm not going to get this right. And everybody just calm down in Ohio. Okay. I already gave you a history so the, lesson. Nobody's oh, listening. Oh God, there's nobody Ohio. listening. Nobody's yeah. listening. So I think it's Cocosing, K-O-K-O-S-I-N-G, wildlife area. It's near Fredericktown, Ohio. And they said, go and find a 60 foot high birch tree that has a whole so many feet towards like the top of it. And that tree is hollow and that's where you'll find the bodies. Okay. Okay. So they go and retrieve all the bodies and eventually they have that tree removed out of respect for Sarah and the families, Very good. which I'm really glad. I hope that they took every piece of that tree and put it in the cell with him. That's what I would have done. But I think he might've liked it. I was going to say, I think he's got a thing about the trees. We need to remove all leaves and yeah. trees from his so view. He says, you know, he confesses and they go, they still have to go in front of a judge. And in front of the judge, he said, you know, I cared for Sarah 
while she was with me. Cared for her. I cared for her. I took good care of her. I gave her a book to read. I played video games with her and I cooked her hamburgers. Really? He forgot to mention that he He raped raped her her countless times. He made her wear a trash bag as a diaper for four days. And she actually got on the stand and and said, you're a liar. (gasps) You didn't do any of those things for me. Good for her. What you did was you humiliated me. You tried to feed me rotten food or dead squirrels and you made me sit in my waist for four days and you raped me repeatedly. That's what you did. You were never nice to me. Good for her. Yeah. She's got the strength of thousands, that girl. She's amazing. So police don't think that this was a random burglary gone wrong because he keeps saying over and over, I never meant to hurt anybody. It just spiraled out of control. But if that's the case, you were very prepared. And they they noticed in when they start, do, you know, they're just, the detectives are amazing how they just go detect things. <laughs> and they they figured out that he started buying supplies for this burglary on November 4th. Oh. And he had been casing this. They don't know what the connection is between he and this family, or if there was a connection just between him and Sarah. Right. Unfortunately, there were some horrible rumors that went around about poor little Sarah, which is not okay. No. It's not okay to take somebody's horrible trauma that you probably couldn't even live through right and then throw it in her face and bully her some of the kids at school called her leaf girl what and if that were my kid i think i would have probably spanked him until he bled like i just would be like don't ever do that but people and kids are cruel there were rumors that somehow she had some kind of relationship with this oddball like it was awful so people are mean stop being mean ohio we know what you're about this is not how you came up with your name They said that this isn't random and that her house was only two blocks from his parents' home. So he thinks maybe he saw them walking to the school bus or going, coming and going, or maybe he noticed that it was a single mom in the home and he thought, I don't know what, I don't know, because he's a freaking freakatoid. Right. I don't know what he is. Anyway, the psychologist that spent time with Hoffman said, well, he has some elaborate delusions related to trees. Really? And he even fantasizes about putting people inside the trees. Oh. Like, that's gross. Yeah. Like, what is he? He's a, like, I don't even think, like, there is no disease. Uh, like, they're going to have to come up with a different thing. He's a, a label. A he's a squirrelaholic? No, a it's squirrel. more, it's not about the squirrels. It's about the leaves and it's about what the trees produce and don't produce and <laughs> yeah but police also think that the trees the trees no the leaves <laughs> it's so hard the leaves were going to act as an accelerant because he thinks they think eventually he was going to burn that home down it was headed for foreclosure he was, oh. couldn't pay his bills his he had a girlfriend and a <gasps> and a girlfriend's son that had lived with him no. he had tried to choke her one night and she and she got that kid up and left yeah and that was on November. No, that was in October. Okay. So things were like, were spiraling out right. of control for him right, and right. his leaf fetish. How did she live in that house with those leaves? I'm hoping yeah. he did that after she left. Yeah. Because then I'm questioning her sanity a little right, bit. Right, right. But it's okay. I'm not going to do that to her because she was a victim as well. Anyway, so he ends up getting two consecutive life without paroles, consecutive. Oh, good. That means, you know, in some of these states, Life without parole doesn't always mean that, unfortunately. And even if some, like something changes, and there's a that doesn't yeah. mean to the end of your life, right? So if it's forty years or sixty years or whatever, even if he serves the first forty years, and they they are like, oh, you would have been up for parole, but you got a whole nother right. forty years. Like he's not getting out. No, 
He's not. And I just hope that we're just going to leave him there. We're going to leave him. (laughs) We're going to leave him there. We're going to make like a tree and leave. But unfortunately, this story does not end here for Sarah. So like I said, Sarah went back to school. She went into extensive therapy. Oh, yeah. She was on Dr. Phil a couple times. Really? Yeah, she was. She was on Dr. Phil. She's just a brave and very strong girl. She's living the best life that she could. Kids were very cruel to her at school, which I don't understand. I don't understand how kids can be that cruel. Like they just don't grasp. But by now she's gone in like this. At this point, she's in high school. Right. And you've got people in high school that are going to be ugly. And they're not just ugly. They're like cruel, disgustingly cruel. Yeah. And I don't like it. No. Just teach your children not to be cruel. And then check on them and make sure they're not being cruel. So in May of 2013, when Sarah was uh, 16 years old, her dad and her stepmom, who she had gone to live with, they were arrested. Oh, gosh. They were charged with physically abusing Sarah. What? It makes me want to cry. What? I know. I'm sorry. I'm getting ready to lose it. It made me cry. I was like, what kind of a mother? Sorry, mama fucker does this. Wow. So her dad was charged with punching her in the back. And her stepmother had kicked her down the stairs. So Sarah and her two half brothers were removed from the home and taken to relatives. I don't know what the outcome of this case was. I couldn't find it. But I was, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. What, what kind of subhumans are you? You're no better than the leaf man. Right. And then ironically, the sheriff that was the sheriff, David Bauber was his name. And all of this, like he, he was like all up in all the press conferences and everything. He, in 2017, committed suicide by gunshot. What? Like, what is this? Holy cow. It doesn't stop. But I've got good news. Okay. So Sarah Maynard attended Virginia Tech from 2001 to 2004 and got her undergrad degree. And then in 2021, she received her master's in digital marketing communications from West Virginia University. Nice. She is the author and illustrator of several children's books. Oh, nice. She runs a digital media consulting business. She's married, has four kids, a dog, a cat, and a very, very full life. Wow. You can actually find her on sarahmaynard.com where her business is. And her LinkedIn business is called The Start Effect. And I found out that she actually does some consulting with people on um, digital manuscripts. Wow. She'll do some editing and feedback and critiquing of people's books. So we might want to tuck that into our little. Absolutely. Sure. So, so, I mean, it, it ends up, she's a great person. She was always a great person. Right. She has carried on with her life. She has a very full life and I'm very proud of her. I'm not very proud of her dad. No. Or her stepmother. No. And I'm sure as hell not proud of Leaf Man. God, he's so gross. He's disgusting. And I just, I kind of wish he would just get the death penalty. I just hope there is, there's some way that people are throwing leaves at him every day or torturing him with sticks. I don't know. No, he can't have the leaves because he likes the leaves. Uh, Yeah. I wouldn't mind him having to wear a trash bag as a diaper. That would be great. For the rest of his life. That would be really great. And some days he's gagged and tied to a pipe and other days he has to lay on a blanket. Not of leaves though, maybe of worms or something. Oh yeah. Like of of, gypsy moth worms that that eat the trees. Right, right. Something that destroys trees. A tree destroyer. Yes. So anyway, that is my story of Sarah Maynard. And the incredibly brave girl that she is today. <sighs> that and was that a was a story. really, it was a good story, but it was a, it was a lot of story. That was tough. We're going to need a cookie. 
Oh, yeah, and they're ready. Yay. I'm going to go get you one. Yay. And I'm going to get me one, and we're not going to share them. That's right. And, and guess what? Nobody else is going to share them either because they're not listening. Nobody's listening. But, if Mama, if you want to email us. Mama, if you're in the mood for these cookies, email us. Email. I think they're a little too delicate for us to send, send them yeah. to you. But they're very nice to have. If you're going to have tea, they're perfect for tea. So our email is murder. In case anybody needs to know. In case mama needs to know. In case mama wants to send us a message. <laughs> Murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. Yes. You can find us on Facebook if, if you give if a crap. If you want to. And uh, we're at Sugarcoated Murder Podcast. Sugarcoated Murder Podcast fan page. Either one of those will work. Did you say Instagram? I didn't. You're all about the gram. I'm all about the Instagram. And that is at Sugarcoated Murder. And on Twitter, we're at Sugar Murder. Yeah, that's it. That's and all on social media. Um, Here's something I wanted to tell you. Well, you already know. I'm going to tell mom. Okay. Yeah. Hey, mom. So um, this afternoon, we're doing a really cool thing. We're collaborating with a different podcast. And they actually talk about friends, episodes of different friends. I'm so excited because I've watched all of them repeatedly. <laughs> and so they gave us our homework was a specific, I'm not going to blow the cover, but it's a specific friends episode. And then we talk about, it, we dissect it and all that kind of stuff. And they do food. They don't bake on the show, but they pre-bake and they sent us a recipe to bake and then Ann baked it. And so we're excited. Yes. So y'all will hear that eventually when it, when it comes out, we'll post on social media so y'all can go on their podcast and yeah. listen and I think you'll love their podcast. And I'll probably go um, bake on our next episode. I'll rebake this. Yeah, so that I think we can you share should. the recipe. If we you. like it, which I feel like we are because they smell really good. Yeah. So anyway, look out for that. Um, that mom. Mom. <laughs> mom. Since nobody else is listening. Hey, mom. Will you just? I mean, I'll just send you the link, mom, when it's time to listen to that one too. We love you, mama. We do love. And you, And one mama. of my cookies looks like. Well, I think they both kind of look like arrowheads. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, they're beautiful. This is my version of a log. They smell delicious. Oh, yeah, they're very, they're just a little mm. fragrant. Oh, God, it tastes like a cup of lemonade. Mm-hmm. Lavender mm. lemonade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Way to go, I feel sugar. like I'm standing in a lavender field drinking some lemonade. Well, you are. <laughs> you are. You're not sitting at my table in my mm-hmm. in my place at all. Why would we? We're so famous. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if you have a project you'd like to introduce us to and then... Cancel. That'd be great. Yes, yeah, send us an email. That hasn't happened this week yet. So T- go ahead. Touch base with us. Present us with your project and give us a week to be and excited then, uh, about it, and then just take it away. Take We're it fine. away. That'd be great. It's fine. We love it. No problem. Mm. All right. Well. <laughs> well, got well, Ann. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Mama and Ann. <laughs> it's really been nice chatting with y'all today and spending some time with just us. Yeah. So uh, we love you, Mama. Now you can roll over and go to sleep. Stay sweet. And don't murder Mama. Because if you kill people, we'll talk about you, but you're not going to listen. Exactly. (laughs) This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.